Hey yo, hey. <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve. <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve. Stat I'm gonna start that over again. <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve. A stats folks. We'll get it. We'll get it. They call you five take Justin. <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Belker, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we're going to talk about the University of South Carolina, the Wilma's champions, as it be. The but first, uh, USC juniors. The USC juniors. Uh, before we get into that, though, I think we have some more pressing matters to really talk about, and that's our current ranking, Nathan. Yeah, we are We are the, fir- the, the, the first rank. There are no teams ranked above us. Yeah. Which is kind of neat, which yeah. is the first time it's happened in nine years, which is the first time yep. it's ever happened to us with the CFP rankings, um, which is the first time Kirby Smart's ever done it as a head coach. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other first things, um, but I can't think of anything else. Right so what's what, what's your reaction? I So I was actually on the couch with Anna when this happened, and um, I got a breaking news um, alert on my phone from cbs sports it just said breaking news george is number one in the rankings and so i like i freaked out and i jumped around the house and and did a little dance and yelled it was on halloween so uh there were no kids coming and so it was just us eating a bunch of candy and i was very excited is my that's my initial reaction <laughs> yeah what was what was yours um you know there's just a well i'm it was a very typical nathan reaction i was, I was just like, like huh. mm-hmm. well well there's a lot of <laughs> There's a lot of football to be played. I mean, it, it's nice. I'm not going to pretend nice. like I don't care, but I also am just kind of like, uh, we got to beat their teams on our schedule. We could easily lose to, and the next four games are much harder than our last four games. So, it's you know. very true. the The rest of our schedule is is fairly difficult uh, when you compare it to the rest of our the the front half of our schedule rather. But uh, you were at you were at Redcoats practice when it happened, right? Yeah. And it was really funny because, like, practice just stopped being effective for a minute when everybody, <laughs> it kind of spread through the band and people were yelling. And finally, he was like, all right, let's give a cheer for, or the band director was like, let's give a cheer for our number one ranked Bulldogs. And I was like, whoa, everyone freaked out. Um, so that was, that, it was a nice moment. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I'm not exact, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not, like, super excited about it. But it's just like, we got to beat the teams on our schedule first. Yeah, you know? we got a lot more going on. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, that was my, like I said, that's my initial reaction. My actual reaction is like, as the like the honeymoon phase wore off, I was like, oh, and realized how much pressure comes with that one and how much harder these last four games are going to be, like you said. Um, maybe not considering Kentucky. <laughs> um, but it is still an SEC team, and you can't discount anybody, of course. But um of the four games that we have remaining, that will be the least difficult, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I just think the last thing I'll say on the playoff rankings are just that if we go 11 and one or 12 and zero, it, you know, I mean, I, do I want to go to the playoff? Hell yeah, I do. But like, if we go 12 and zero, like this is a good season. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what else happens, you just got to kind of ride it out. And 
and just enjoy. I think there's a way that we can simultaneously try to really enjoy this moment and what is probably a, what, once in two or three decades moment that we're having right now. Um, and simultaneously, just be ready for whatever happens. Just let it come to you. I think um, just kind of practicing uh, sort of mindfulness in this moment, you know, <laughs> just like, like, I mean, I joke, but also I'm kind of serious. Just like, in, this is a really fun team to watch. This is a team full of really interesting personalities and really good dudes, it seems like. Um, and I don't know. I mean, simultaneously, this is a team that is also really good. And it's really rare for all three of those to be together at the same time. And I'm just trying to kind of just like every time they play, I just go out there and I'm just like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is super know. cool. Yeah. Yeah, no matter what happens, I'm still excited that if we go 12-0, like you said, that'll be, that's a very good season, no matter what happens after that. Yeah. That's just a, a really good season, and I'm happy with that, at the very least. Um, yeah, before this episode, I was actually looking back on old rankings of teams I remembered, um, UGA teams I remembered, and just looking back on, like, the losses that we had and what teams we lost to. Like, that 2012 Rick team with uh, the infamous SEC championship against Alabama, we lost to, like... Lost to South Carolina that year, as Rick tends to do. And I think we also just lost to Alabama, and that was it. But just, I hope that that's not where we're headed after this. Yeah. I hope we don't lose a game we have no business losing. Because we only have one game in the rest of our schedule that's going to be anywhere near a coin flip at this point. Yeah. The other games we have no business losing. And so I just hope that that's not, I you hope know, that we're I, far I mean, past from that team. I think we could lose. But I don't think we're going to lose. I don't think we're going to have a face paint game. And actually, I think this is a good... Let's transition in and talk about the narratives for South Carolina. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, you know, I think we kind of just touched on one. Is like, you know, is this going to be... Is UGA going to fold under the pressure of number one? Are they going to play as well as they've been playing the rest of the year when they weren't number one uh, now that they are? So... What's your reaction to that? Those were some concerns I had at the very beginning of the year uh, because last year was, of course, Kirby Smart's first year, and I wanted to see what kind of coach he was going to be. And I think at this point he's, he's proven himself fairly well about what kind of coach he, he wants to be and what kind of program he wants to lead. And I'm I'm at the point now where I'm not nearly as concerned as I was at the beginning of the year about is this team going to fold under pressure one? Are they mm-hmm. going to mess around? Are they going to lose focus? And I don't feel like that's happening to this team. Every time we think that's going to happen, we've even spoken about it on this, this podcast, um, they prove us even further that they're, they're as focused as they can be in their team, and there's no egos necessarily. Um, and that's really refreshing to have, I feel. We don't have a, a problem, it seems, um, in the culture of the program. And so I don't think that's going to be an issue, to answer your question. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think... Um... I think we could still lose just because sometimes you, you know, good, great teams lose to good teams and good teams lose to great teams. That's, that just happens. Um, But I don't think it'll be, I I find it very unlikely that this is the kind of team that will go out the way, like you were saying earlier, like the way Rick's teams would just go out and lose to South Carolina 45 to 12 or lose to Tennessee randomly or lose to Florida randomly or lose to Vandy randomly or whatever. Um, So I don't know. I think, I, I'm not saying that we're going to run the rest of the table. I just don't see us having a game where we just come out and look horrible. Yeah. 
if we get beaten, it's going to be because the team that we're playing and got beaten by prepared mm-hmm. more than we did, which I I find it hard to believe there's many teams out there that are going to be more prepared than Kirby Smart and his staff. Yeah. And and I, you know what, I want to use our next, the next thing that I wrote down for our subjective narratives. I think I want to use that to just transition right on into um, our stats review of this game, mm-hmm. which is one of the narratives coming in seems to be that, you know, this is a higher caliber of team than UGA has been playing recently. I would say that um, objectively, this team is what the third or fourth best team South Carolina is that UGA has played. I, you know, Notre Dame's better. Mississippi State is better, probably. Um, it is the third, third best team we've played so far. It will be the fourth overall. Yeah, by S&P Plus. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is a little bit of a narrative going into this game. Like, hey, like, just keep an eye on it. You know, this this is something to look at. And, I mean, I think that's fair. And I think um, let's, you know, let's get into the numbers. And I, I think that now that I've read the numbers, I think that that's actually a pretty fair. Even though it's subjective, I think they've hit on something that's kind of real. And so let's mm-hmm. get into the numbers on that. All right. Uh, let's do it. So overall, um, USC is the overall S&P Plus, by S&P Plus, the 65th best team in the league right now. Uh, and I would say it's worth noting to listeners that this number isn't necessarily the end-all be-all when it comes to comparing this, uh, these two teams. You definitely want to look at the strengths and weaknesses of both teams and how it breaks down um, through the advanced stats and understanding what are our strengths, what are we good at, what are their weaknesses, what are they bad at. Right. And then that can help you understand the matchup and, and kind of predict where it's going to go from there. Well, yeah, because, I mean, for instance, we we happen to match up really well against Notre Dame. Yeah. And, you know, we won that game close, but part of the reason that we were able to was that they wanted to run the crap out of the ball and we have a really good run defense. So just stuff like that, that's why you want to always look deeper. Yeah. And as always, we are trusting Bill Connolly's advanced stats um, and with a mix of our own advanced stats. Right. So. If folks want to follow on at home, they may. But you want to get into defense? Yeah, let's start. Um, so let's get to know USC here a little bit. Um, they are incredibly... Their overall defensive S&P Plus ranking is... Um, no, that's us. I was like, 15th. Jeez, they're good. <laughs> no, their, um, their defensive overall is 47th, and their points per game overall is 29th. Um, the profile of this is... This team is, they're very explosive. They're the 22nd most explosive off our defense. They have, they get very good field position and 21st in field position. And that's incredibly must champion. And I want to talk about that in a second here. Um, but they're not very efficient. You can chunk yards against them. And, you know, I think that probably has a lot to do with just um, talent and that they're taking more risks than they would if they were less, if they were more talented. Um, but one of the hallmarks of the must champ defense though is, that they will aggressively zone blitz. They have, they run this thing called the zone fire blitz will they, where they will bring, basically they'll bring a linebacker or a safety and they'll drop a defensive lineman or an outside linebacker back into coverage to confuse the quarterback. And the zone fire blitz is sort of like the hallmark of the Muschamp slash Manny Diaz. Um, they're both kind of the same defensive 3-4 tree. Um, and they developed it over at Tennessee, or Texas. So it's something that we need to look at because to my recollection, um, we have yet to play a team that wants to be that exotic with us. I mean, Florida tried to bring <laughs> some pressure, but we haven't, we, I mean, seriously, like we, a lot, most yeah. of the teams we played defensively this year um, have been pretty. They just e- kind of stuff the box and try to keep right. the run down. Yeah. I mean, you know, Todd Grantham's defense is known for like, he'll bring pressure from like just crazy places all the time, but he doesn't usually zone blitz and, 
he doesn't do the specific weird like pattern matching stuff on top of the zone blitzes that Muschamp's going to do as a saving disciple. So I think um, that's definitely something to think about. Def- just like how does Jake Fromm adjust to getting those looks? You know, it, it's 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 likely that there's we're going to see looks from them that we have yet to see today uh, to this date. So other things to know about them, they're pretty turnover lucky. They're 20th in the nation in turnover luck. They get about two points a game off turnovers. Um, they have a very good rushing D overall, except for power success rate. So um, I would look for us to, if we have to grind it out, to be in good shape to do so. Uh, just because power success rate tells me that if we get into a situation where we just need to get three or four yards of um, a run, we probably can. Um, you know, that also kind of bodes well if we get into a uh, four minute offense or whatever it's the, so power success rate is the percentage of runs on third or fourth down two yards or less to go that achieved a first down or a touchdown. Um, so if we are in a situation where we got to close out the game by just getting three or four first downs in a row, that is good for us. Um, that that is so low for them. It is, so, it is sort of like one of the standouts in an otherwise very good running defense. Um, they have the 108th overall passing success rate. And I, what I wrote in all caps next to that note, I can't say on this clean podcast, but it's really weird to me that a safety is talking crap about how we can't throw when we have, they have the 108th overall passing success rate. And if, if dear reader, you're interested to know what UGA's passing success rate is ranked right now. Yeah, that would be um, 59th, 11th in passing S&P plus overall, 4th in passing ISO PPP. And if we just want to check those defensive numbers over here, um, the rest of that breakdown for uh, South Carolina, Carolina would be 60th in passing S&P plus 108th in passing success rate and actually a very good ninth in passing ISO PPP, which I think comes a lot from how much zone they play. Um, so please tell us that we have a, a no, no passing game essentially is what you're, you're inviting yeah. them to do. Like, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, it's like, I see what that he, gets you. Has he looked at his own house? Like they're, they're not in, <laughs> they're not in good order. No. Um, so what you else got going else? on defense? Uh, um, we wrote down about the havoc rate, which is something we always like to, to, to look into. Yeah, uh, I was, was going to let you have that one because that's like your pet stat. <laughs> I do really enjoy havoc rates. Uh, yeah, so among the three havoc rate stats, there's defensive line, linebacker, defensive backs. They are the 22, 22nd ranked best uh, defensive line when it comes to havoc rate, and. Um, if you compare that to our own, ours is 112, but that's only because we're getting more havoc plays from the backfield when it comes to to those situations. But they're getting a lot, a lot right off the line, which I think that comes from what were you talking about the the fire zone blitz? Yeah, is you that, know, they, does that have to do with it? Well, um, in terms of their havoc, yeah, yeah I, I imagine so. And also, I mean, uh, Tavares Robertson and Will Muschamp are just good defensive coaches, so I think yeah. that's a little bit of it. And then I think also. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna play a lot of zone. They're gonna blitz underneath it, and they just you know, South Carolina doesn't have a lot of talent, but a lot of it, a lot of what they do have is in the front seven. So, let's move right along and talk about the other side of the ball. Yeah. Um. So, offensively, they're just average. Yeah. Overall, they're pretty average. They're uh four of their five ranks offensively, and the five factors are within nine ranks of each other. Um. You know. There are some personnel things. They lost their best. Their, I think they lost their two best wide receivers this well this year already. They lost Debo Samuel. I think they might still have Brian Edwards in. I can't remember. Somebody else got they hurt. Have, they have a lot of suspended players too, if I remember yeah. correctly. It's like ten um, or eleven. 
so i mean brantley is the guy you know i mean he's he's a threat to run he is he is kind of in the uh jake the jake from sort of prototype of player he's smaller he came out really young he had a pretty steep learning curve last year um but got a lot better very much in the jake from model he'll scamper out from underneath you if you lose contain um i think really uh a couple of their offensive numbers tell us more about the problems they're having in their wide receiver core because uh, you know they have let's see they are 122nd on offensive passing down success rate right so if you get them in a passing down they have issues completing and i'm what i'm imagining and i haven't done the in-depth stat breakdown sorry enough to know this is that um what that means is that if you get them into like third and eight and nine and they need to complete like a third and you know they need a 15 yard pass it's going to be a problem um and it, and i think that's actually backed up if you look at their hold on one second their offensive i just had this right here yeah so their passing down icppp is 113 um and then they're passing ice so like they're not very explosive on on third and long when they need to and then they're passing icppp is 65th so i think that defense or that difference is just explained by the fact that if you get them in a situation where they can't surprise you with a pass and they don't really have the wide receiving core to get separate, even, even if Brantley is having a good year, which he certainly is. I mean, he's 148 for 241. He's got 1,759 yards of the air, 13 TDs, four interceptions, 61% completion rate. Like the, by any standard, that's a good, um, that's a very good year, but I, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I was going to say, essentially where that, that comes from is, if they don't have the field to be explosive, then they're not going to be able to really do much of anything. Yeah. I mean, Brian Edwards is their current wide is their best wide receiver other than Debo Samuel. And he has 63 targets, 35 catches, 435 yards. And it drops off pretty steadily after that. Now, I mean, you could make the argument obviously that, um, UGA's wide receiver chart looks pretty close to that, but the rushing stats on this team, and we haven't touched on this yet. They're they're just not a very good rushing team. No, Um, they're not. Tyson Williams has 68 rushes for 341 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Rico Dowdle has 60 rushes for 206 yards and one touchdown. You know, I mean, highlight yards per opportunity for Rico Dowdle, 1.7. These are the, the, this is not a great running back. I'm, well, I mean, Rico Dowdle's a good player, and so is A.J. Turner, but they're just not really producing very well. And, you know, some of that probably has to do with their line. Um, if you look at their power success rate, stuff rate, uh, they're all just mediocre, and then their adjusted line yards are 85th in the nation. So they look like they're very much on the George- 2016 Georgia model of line. Yeah, it's kind of stinky. They combined all their backs combined to have four rushing touchdowns as compared to our what is this even? <laughs> A lot. Nin- Nineteen. Not, yeah. Um, so we're doing all right. Yeah, I mean, and, and so they're going to try to throw it on us. Um, they they will probably try to sneak a run in on and then they are you know on a draw or a delay handoff but they're going to throw it on us and they're going to play good defense and even if they're running ineffectively they're going to just keep running to try to burn the clock down and they're just going to take some risks and try to get some turnovers which and you know to be fair though i mean they're they're what six and two right now like yeah. that that's worked it's it's that's not bad you can't disparage that i mean they beat NC State is the 37th ranked team right now, or 35th ranked team right now by S&P Plus. They beat Miss Missouri, the 57th ranked team right now. They beat Kentucky, the the only other team in um, the SEC East that is really contending other than Georgia. They beat Texas A&M. You know, they beat Arkansas, not a great win. They beat uh, Tennessee and they beat Vanderbilt. 
those last three are not great wins at all, but you know, they shellacked Arkansas 48 to 22. They kind of shellacked Vanderbilt 34 to 27 and they beat uh, Tennessee 15 to nine on a game that was hilariously bad. Yeah. So also though, while we're looking at this, their whole schedule real quick, just kind of go over their percentile performances, just kind of skim over just how, Ooh, Lord, how this kind of tells you how messy every yes, single Lord. game they've okay, played so, has been. Okay, so let, let, let's 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 find some bright spots. At Tennessee, they played a ninety-one percent percentile performance game. Now, does does that have something to do with Tennessee just being bad? Sure, but that's that's a good game. Um, they played a seventy-nine percentile game against Louisiana Tech in a game that they won seventeen sixteen because they played a forty-one percent offensive percentile. But yeah, let, let's just read these offensive percentiles down. Forty-seventh in NC State, forty-fourth in Missouri, thirty-eighth in Kentucky. 40, 41% in Louisiana Tech, 15% at Texas A&M, um, 54% uh, Arkansas against Arkansas, 16% at Tennessee, good God, 67% at Vanderbilt. So this is not a, an offense that has been performing very well, even within its own standard of performance. You know, those percentile performances are based on your own abilities and your own abilities and on your stats that you've generated. So um, this is definitely a team led by its defense. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And just about every game they've played has been within one score. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we've had more than one game within one score at this point, this entire year. So I mean, that's I, another I, good feeling to me. I think, I think that a lot of, and we can get into our predictions here in a moment, but I mm-hmm. really think that now that I've looked at these numbers, a lot of the noise about, you know, watch South Carolina, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I think that it, it just comes from the fact that when you play a Will Muschamp team, they're going to go for turnovers and they tend to be decent at getting them. Um, and they're going to just try to suck the air out of the ball. They're going to try to not let you have a lot of um, possessions. They're going to try to limit the plays that you do. They're just going to try to muddy the game up. So they might not be playing very well, but all of a sudden you're like, you know, you're only up 10 on them and it's like, well, what, what's, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about stats that we want to highlight for both UGA okay. and South Carolina. Sure. Um, I put seventh and deficiency and defense efficiency. Um, and I'll say, and I said, we'll put your butt in third and long. Um, which I think matches up pretty well against the fact that they're 122nd on offensive passing down success rate, which is pretty good. So we're pretty good at getting people in third and long, and we're pretty good at converting those third and longs into punts, and they are not very good at getting out of third and long. So I think that bodes well for our defensive success going, you know, in this game. Um, I wrote down, we are now the number one defense when it comes to the first and third quarter, uh, according to S&P Plus ranking, which is very exciting. Uh, to be conclusively the number one defense in both of those. That just speaks again to how prepared this team is, both going into the game and how well they adjust in the, the third quarter mm-hmm. um, coming out of halftime. And I actually, after that, I, I put down a few um, notes on South Carolina's, which we'll get to in just a second, on their second and third quarters as well, just kind of comparing to give you a point of reference when you're, you're trying to understand these rankings. Yeah, so South Carolina... Second and third quarter S and P, uh, twenty sixth and 39th defensively. Yeah, I mean that's. So, no, it's not go bad. ahead. Yeah, it's no, really that's not. That's all I was gonna say. It's not. It's nothing to, to like laugh at necessarily, but it's not first also. Yeah. Um, and so, what I didn't write down is the first and, and fourth quarter are both right around the sixty range, hmm. and so they're coming into a game and trying to figure that. It seems like they're trying to figure it out, and they kind of hit their stride second quarter. Yeah, they third adjust quarter, very well. 
yeah and then they they go back in the locker room will muschamp yells at him like he does and they get all fired up and they come back out and want to play real well but then that only goes so far and they kind of wear out in the fourth quarter and i mean and uh, i think that has not just to do with planning and adjustments but also with just i mean this is not a team i mean to muschamp's credit he's mid, he's done a lot with a little because this is not a, this team the cupboard was bare when he came in um and I think you really have to just be aware that I, I I'm bullish on Muschamp, even though obviously like I don't like South Carolina. I think he's a good coach and I think that they're mm-hmm. going to improve, but I just, I don't think they have the horses to run with us. No, I don't think so either. And I will say also, I, I do like Will Muschamp. I like watching him. I think he's a good coach and I just think he's an entertaining coach as well. The only, uh, he seems like he might be a tool, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> but when it comes to being just a coach, if you want to look at that just objectively, I think that you know, he's an all right coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I, I get what you're saying with the tool part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I he was another just like you know, just like McIlwain, he was a guy that did not fit in very at Flor- very well at Florida, and I think mm-hmm. Florida is the kind of place that you know it is. It you need a certain kind of coach to go there, and he was not that kind of coach. And I think I brought out the worst in him. But um, I think yeah, you're right. Outside of that, he's a good coach. So let's talk about what we want to see. Let's transition into that. So what do you want to see from this from this game? This is going to lead into my over and unders later, so you can remember this point. But I really want to see uh, Jake Fromm perform well under pressure because I know this is a team that has a lot more pressure right up there on the line. And it's going to be a bit more, as you put it, exotic defense uh, than we've seen up to this point for the most part. And so I want to see Jake Fromm make sure that he's, he's still being protected, first of all. I want the offensive line to do their job and then Jake Fromm not to do anything crazy. Mm-hmm. Because I know there's going to be opportunities to throw in this team like we saw, but... I don't want those turnovers to come from kind of the just baiting the quarterback and playing to a quarterback that only has one season under his belt at this point. He's played fantastic up to this point, but anything can happen as, as we put so succinctly. Mm-hmm. So that's something it's, it's a very intangible thing I want to see, but it's something I want to see. No. Yeah. And I, and I think my first point, actually the thing I want to see leads into that kind of more tangibly, which is that, I just want to see Fromm lead a an efficient passing um, series, and whether that is a two minute drill or whether that is you know up seven and we just decide we want to throw on him, I, I just want to see Fromm throw three or four times in a row just to see that he's got that rhythm down. I don't. And it's not that I don't think he can do it. It's just that there is definitely a difference between being able to complete the sporadic pass after you've run a lot and getting in rhythm and just hitting three or four passes in a row. And I think he can do that. It's just something that we have not seen yet to this year, to this point this year. So that's going to be, I think, very important. Um, I want to see Elijah Holyfield get at least five touches because I'm starting to like kind of fall in love with him. I was going to say you got a little crush on Elijah Holyfield. Yeah. I mean, don't, <laughs> don't tell Roquan, but I mean, <laughs> I just think, Elijah Holyfield is an interesting running back in terms of who he prototypes against because he's like, he's like kind of a smaller guy and he's like real stumpy and he's got almost like a shorter Nick Chubb build, you know, but Mm. man, he's fast. Good God. He is fast. He's very fast. So it's, it's just weird to see him just like, you're like, okay, this is the kind of guy, this is like, um, you know, Tampa Bay had that running back that they called the, the muscle hamster, Doug Baldwin or not Doug Baldwin, (laughs) uh, Doug Martin. And it's, you're like, okay, this is that kind of guy. He's just going to bang up in there for two or three yards. And then he, he took that handoff against Florida, and it was like, oh, never mind. He's going to split the safeties. He's gone. Okay. <laughs> See ya. So we've got over and unders. Yeah. Um, so 
Over under, I'll give my first one. Over under 17 South Carolina points. Um, I think under. I think they'll get a. I think they'll get a touchdown and they'll get a. Well, I was gonna say a field goal, but their special teams really aren't that great. Um, I think they'll probably get like 14 points. I give them 14 points, and I think they'll get them coming out of the halftime. Yeah, I think I'm thinking 14 too. I, I'm gonna take under, but I think it's it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if they got yeah some of the most points 24 or something. Year. I yeah. think if they get 24 points, though, we might just, like, wreck them. Yeah. Um. Um, over, under, I said Jake Fromm, two interceptions. And this doesn't come from freshman Jake Fromm. This just comes from a new defense that he hasn't played yet. Yeah. Um, hmm. And I will say he has not had two interceptions in a game this year. And he only has four on the entire year. I'm going to take a push. I think he might have two. You think two? Yeah. And that, I think that definitely comes from if they do, if this is the only team the entire year, well, I was going to say the entire year, but it's not true. Um, if this is one of the only teams the entire year that gets up on us, ahead of us at any point in the game, um, we're going to have to throw more. We're going to have to rely on Jake Fromm, and that's where they want us to be, of course. And so I think that might be where some of these interceptions come from. Okay, yeah, no, I, I can see that. And I think, too, just, I mean, they they haven't confused, and you know, no one's confused them to this point this year, but it might happen. Um, all right, I've got one more. Over, under, and this actually is, we were really in sync tonight. Over, under, UGA turnovers total 1.5. Oh, um, I'll go over just to kind of play with my own over under <laughs> yeah I, I i think i'll take over but it, it feels like we're due for a fumble yeah i we let me hold on let me check the numbers real quick so of people who have had enough rushing yards to so deandre Swift has had two fumbles and one loss jake Fromm has had three fumbles and two loss so we've only lost three fumbles the whole year and we've only had six so i mean we're, we're losing about at the rate that we should but it's just like Maybe we're just a disciplined team, but it feel it feels like we're due for one. Maybe that's just because I'm a Georgia fan and like just think everything's gonna be horrible. <laughs> and a realist. Also, we're yeah, our turnover luck. We are losing a point to turnovers, um, right? Per game, and this is the a ninth game. So yeah, we're definitely due for one. What else we got? Uh, I said over under Sony Michelle two touchdowns in the second half. Hmm. So the question is just like. Will Sony Michelle get have two touchdowns specifically well, in I the mean, second half? Yeah, but I think the question that raises is just like, will we need to put Sony Michelle in in the second half? Hmm. Yeah, I will say under just because I think that a his usage rate might go down a little bit because we're going to try to get mm-hmm. other people involved, and b I think there's a chance that in the in the middle of the third quarter, this game is kind of out of hand. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think so, it could still happen. I don't know. So before before we go, I, I do want to just say one thing before we go into our predictions. Um, well, I we, we can go to our predictions. I I'll, I'll I'll talk about this when I predict. Okay. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? You go first. Okay. So here's the thing. I think we definitely could lose to South Carolina, and I have been I, I realize now in hindsight that i have just spent the entire podcast kind of talking about talking south carolina up and talking about reasons we could lose to them and i'm definitely not poor mouthing them i'm not being like well they have a really good punt they have a really good punter 
So, you know, we got to be careful with them or whatever. Um, I just think that they're a very well-coached team. And I think that one of the things that we've been able to rely on this year is that our coaches have just out-coached the other side. And that's not always very, been a very impressive feat. I mean, certainly Mike Elko and Brian Kelly at Notre Dame are good coaches. And, you know, um, Dan Mullen is a very good coach. I don't know if Todd Gradtham is a good coach, but he is a coach. So they have out-coached some good coaches this year, but... Um, I'm pretty sure that drunk versions of me and you could outcoach um, Butch Jones at this point, <laughs> you know, and not even because he we're better coaches than him, but just because he seems to be so like dead in the water. I mean, and so on tilt right now. I mean, on Saturday, it was just like last Saturday, I felt like like a drunk baby could have outcoached Jim McElwain on Saturday. Like, I mean, yeah, or maybe a drunk shark after they had oh. some Chardonnay. Yeah, <laughs> that, get that champagne on ice and. And, you know, the shark's just like, that's what I like, Jim McElwain. <laughs> Strawberry champagne on ice. Anyway. Uh, I also I want to say about the shark thing, the shark bit. Those of you um, that listened to our last episode, Anna actually listened to her first episode, which was our last episode. And it opened with that joke that you told about Jim McElwain having sex with a shark, you know. And she said, I didn't think that it actually happened. So I had to Google it. And so I... Uh. I truly hope that everyone or as many people as watched or listened to the last episode googled that and had that moment to yourselves because that's hilarious well it's it's i have a long history of just dead panning my way through jokes to the point where people are like oh no now it's serious this is a for real thing <laughs> this actually happened okay so prediction so having said all of that i'm not poor mouthing them i think will best is a good coach and i just think that they play the kind of defense where they're going to get some turnovers and you can lose to a team that is going to play fundamentally sound, which they are, and has less talent than you if you have turnovers. So I don't think we can discount it. And that's why I would just pump the brakes on, yeah, we're just going to slaughter them. Having mm-hmm. said that, uh, my prediction is that we will win. I keep on bouncing back and forth between two numbers. Yeah, so do I. I don't think we cover 24 and a half. I think that's a ridiculous spread. But I think we're going to drop 30 on them. So I'm going to say we will win. 32 to 14 and i also want to say that i think it'll actually be pretty close going into the half i think it might be like a six point game i think we might go into the half like i don't know 20 to 10 or something like that 20 to 14 so where where we have to sweat it a little bit more than in the past because i just think they're going to get some points off turnovers i am trying my best to figure out what i think this team is going to do south carolina is good they're above average when it comes to defensively keeping other teams at finishing drives mm-hmm. whereas we offensively are the fourth best team at finishing drives so that to me says we're going to do it regardless and so i'm trying to figure out specifically like how many field goals are we going to get how many can i expect i, I can probably expect more in a later game um and they, they're very good at keeping teams from being explosive which we are very good at being explosive so it's like is this kind of the the yin to our yang but in a yeah they sense, ma- I don't in know. some ways they match up to us pretty well they do, and so this this should be a good game, which means I think it'll also be a, a, a lower-scoring game than what we're used to this season, which is totally fine. But I don't think we're ever going to look like it's out of hand at any point, but it seems like South Carolina has a very good way of keeping games very close. Yeah, and they, they I, muddy the waters, that's for they sure. They sure do, and I, I don't... That, that's a, such a ridiculous spread. It's like 24 and a half, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nuts. There's no way this... I want it to to happen, but I don't think this, it's going to happen. I, I think this is definitely going to be a game that's closer to like 
13. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good prediction too. Because I, I just think that we might even, like, let's say we get up there and we just shellack them, right? Yeah. Let's say we go into halftime up 28 nothing again, right? I really think Kirby's kind of ticked off about the fact that we gave up that touchdown and that our second team defense did not play very well. And I think that he might just put the second teamers in and just be like, all right, figure it out. <laughs> like, Yep, you do it. Yeah, I'm tired of and dealing with be. you. What do you and think they're going to go into the, the half at? You said earlier. If you I, think again. I actually think it would be pretty... I think it'll be pretty close. I think it'll be like, yeah. you know, 21, 10 or something like that, where it's like, uh-huh. it's like, yeah, we're winning, but it's a little bit like, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a closer game than, than anybody wants, but I don't think it's going to be a close enough game to where the media takes a hold of it and says like, is Georgia as good as everyone says they are kind of thing. And it's, it's not going to be like that. No, I think, I think what it'll be is just, we'll see. I think people will still do that even if it doesn't happen. But I think what will really happen is it'll just be, a team that is well coached and has a little bit of talent getting beaten by a team that is even better coached and has way more talent. So I think I, you know, it's like the new normal has been just us blowing people out. And I think this will be a blowout, but it will not feel as close or feel as big of a blowout as the, as the rest have. Also, we have a new review. Do we? Yeah. I want to read it. Cause it's my favorite. It's my favorite review. Okay. It's my, it's, it's I think it's the best review we've ever gotten. And <laughs> <laughs> and like no seriously and it's not even one of the sousaphones said he was gonna he was like how do i get my name on the thing tonight or on the podcast and i was like well just write us a review and i'll read whatever you write as ridiculous as it is and he was like i'm writing it right now but actually <laughs> i don't think that they i think they take a minute to process uh-huh. so i just want to say for the record because we didn't get your review in uh cameron cameron connor you're a good man you're a man of quality you're, you're a colin sill man and uh, you know we all like that about you all right let me read this review real quick. Man, iTunes. I've got it right here, too. It's like people... No, I got it. It's just like okay. people put up with the DMV for so long. They're like, oh, iTunes is just like the DMV. We should just... It's fine. <laughs> okay. This is by Mook, um, I think. Want something with more substance than opinions, hot takes, and conjecture? conjecture? This is a must for your dog podcast rotation. They bring a deep dive into the statistical analysis of UGA's upcoming games, insightful reviews of past opponents, and a unique perspective from a Redcoats experience point of view. Oh, man. Talk (laughs) talk dirty to me. We're not even done. They explain the deeper stats with enough detail that every fan comes away with a better understanding. The upcoming game reviews offer an uncanny accuracy based on teams' tendencies and matchups. The respect for history and tradition ingrained in these two differs from most podcasts. It gives you the sense that you are listening in on a discussion between two UGA fans that are well prepared for an engaging conversation and an uncovering of how stats predict game outcomes. Keep up the amazing work as your well-deserved following continues to grow. Wow. Can I I just say that that's like the Aristotelian review? It's like the perfect, it's like the perfect review. I had doubts, but then when you read it, it's, that was incredible. I I want to read it again. Mook. If you want to come in here and just like write some ad copy for us or something, like, <laughs> like be f- feel free, dude, or Absolutely. do that, woman or man, whoever you are, whoever Whomever. it doesn't it doesn't matter if you can write like that. You've just got the voice of an angel. So I'm into it. Yeah, thank you also for those very kind words. It's always very nice to hear that people appreciate the the work we put into this. The the uh, the, the frankly ridiculous amount of work that we put into this. The stress and anxiety I I, I get from trying to figure out our schedules <laughs> is ridiculous. Yeah, is ridiculous. But these reviews make it all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. It. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. 
You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you can subscribe to a podcast. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve, by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at Chapel Bell Curve. You should definitely check out our Twitter because Nathan goes on crazy rants and he's a lot of fun, uh, very entertaining. Also, go check out our website, chapelbellcurve.com. It'll be a hub for all of our new content, blog posts, episodes, Twitter feeds, and anything we find relevant throughout the week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really help us out get new viewership and that sort of thing. We'll also read your review on air like you just heard in this episode. And we'll catch you in the Classic City Saturday for the annual chicken fry. But until then, go, go dogs. I played that song a lot at Homecoming and in the band.